0: hello hello welcome welcome to another edition of santana says beautiful people mi gente bella where we talk about everything from roadblocks to relationships everything in between and the overall journey of a life i'm excited as always to bring you another edition of the show but also another wonderful guest and we are back with our uh you know wonderful lady energy you know female energy we had a couple males on the show you okay. know what i mean we finally uh yes bit. we did yes we did <laughs> finally um but it is august y'all and so we are there's so many things to celebrate we're going back to school for the babies you know we got to make sure that they stay prayed up but also it is black business month if y'all did not know okay so we gonna highlight some businesses for y'all and i'm super pumped because we get the double you know what i'm saying it's black but we also got a woman so we gonna uplift all of our black entrepreneurs but especially the women as well so like i am super excited about that so today as as because of that we have a business owner but also a person that holds so many more titles and is so near and dear to my heart but i'm going to let you tell the wonderful people who are you a little bit about you just you know what brings you here today
1: Melissa, thank you so much <laughs> for having me on. Yes! My name is Andra Tisha Fritzgerald, and I am the co-founder of Building Blocks of Brilliance, yes. educational consulting firm. And um, a little bit about me, I am a Cleveland lifer, so I yes. grew up in Cleveland. Let's go. Shout out to Central Avenue, all my down-the-way folks. Let's go. Um, I grew up right there on 61st, still have a lot of love for the Cleveland area. Right. Um I started off my career in teaching, and I have always made the decision to work in urban schools. So I worked in East Cleveland schools for 21 years as a teacher and then as an administrator. And um, in 2020, I published a book called Mm Anti-Racism and Universal Design for Learning, Which really is about teaching teachers how to bend the curriculum towards our students, particularly our black and brown students, our Mm. English language learners, our students with disabilities, any student for whom success requires um, the curriculum to bend toward them. And so not making them change any critical component of who they are, but still becoming the picture of success first to themselves and then to everyone who has the beautiful privilege of teaching them on their educational journey. And so that came out in 2020. And since then, our business has been to really help organizations, colleges, universities, um, K through 12 districts to really think about and put into action how to bend that curriculum towards all students. that's what we do.
0: Lovely, which I love. And so, yes, also the fact that, you know, the book and all of those wonderful things that you've been able to do. But as you mentioned, you started off teaching Mm -hmm. and you made that, as as you, uh, you know, said it, that um, intentional, you know, decision to be in those urban schools and all Mm -hmm. of that. So, like, what was that, you know, like career like for you and what drove you to always know that you wanted to serve that population specifically?
1: The funny thing is I went to college on a full scholarship for engineering. Okay. I have Did been I in that, engineering yo. programs from the seventh grade through the twelfth grade. Right. And I thought that I was going to be an engineer. Right. And so I had my first internship at um, the chemical engineering department at Cleveland State. And I was kind of like, um, I mean, I can do this, but right. it didn't give me the joy factor that I was looking for. Right. Um, And so... True to Andretisha form, I'm like, you know, if, if at first you don't feel the joy, you got to try it again to see. Absolutely. So I took a second internship between my first and second year of college at NASA. And mm-hmm. I said to myself, now listen, if you are meant to be an engineer, like you're at NASA. So like this right. is where <laughs> your heart is going to sing to you. And I was at NASA for 10 weeks making phenomenal money. Mm-hmm. I just want to stress phenomenal. Oh, hey. For a college, uh, (laughs) you know, a college student. Yes. Um, But I didn't, I could acquire the telemetry. I could do all of the earth stations and all of the things that the satellite required of me. But it didn't bring me this joy factor that I was looking for. Yep. And so um, I tried one more internship at Polytech, which was a minority-owned engineering firm in downtown Cleveland. And um, I was correcting drawings and AutoCAD for the, what was then- The new Windermere Rapid Station, which is a couple of years old now. Okay. But um, that's when I was really still, you know, trying to figure out. And I just knew this is not for me. So I changed my major to something that I knew that I loved, and that was English. I wasn't quite sure what I was going to do with an English degree, but I knew for certain that I loved literature And I hadn't thought about teaching, but there was a program at Cleveland State. And sometimes things just come together. God just aligns things. Absolutely. You don't even um, know or you're not looking for them. But I was in um, the elevator at Cleveland State and saw a flyer for a master's program. And it was a one-year program, master's in urban secondary teaching. Mm. Now, I saw this flyer, but my senior year, there was an opportunity to stay in the dorm and be a resident coordinator for a program called Upward Bound.
0: Yes. Let me me some Upward Bound. Shout out.
1: love Upward Bound. Right. The programs, it's a federal program for potential first generation college students. Yes. So I lived in residence for six weeks with 109th through 12th graders. Okay. All day and all night. I didn't sleep that much. I bet you didn't. But I found (laughs) out that seeing that path become clear for young people, Yes. Gave me the joy factor that I was looking for. There you go. Oh yeah. my goodness. And so um I joined that master's program, got my teaching certificate, and that's really where my story started.
0: Wow. Look at that. I love that. And no, these were not all things that I knew. I mean, since I've known you, I have always seen you as an educator, you know what I mean? As someone that is ingrained with the youth, but lovely to hear that it wasn't even necessarily how it started. And so, but also that you had this tremendous skill set that you could bring to teaching though, having that engineering
1: background. Absolutely. Because I still love math. I still love science. And I have, you know, an English degree. So when people look at my transcript, I'm literally... Um, one of my friends told me, if you ever want to teach English, you cannot get certified in science because you'll never get a chance to, <laughs> to teach do it. English because there's always a shortage. So I am one class short of a mm. science certification, but okay. um, I have, you know, I'm certified in English. I loved teaching English and yeah. I always found ways to connect with my colleagues. So we would find those connections across with chemistry and ethics right. or mm. bringing biology into the stories that we were reading. And it's been wonderful to find ways to partner because Because, you know, learning is not separate. It's not not. over here is English. But English transcends. It goes into different places. So does science. So does math we just have to find ways to make them more explicit for us.
0: Oh, and I love that. Mm-hmm. Especially because even like today, I remember hearing some of the youth talking about those connections they make with biology and us as human beings. Like the fact that we all have like similar makeups, but there are all these other things that are a little bit more complicated when we talk about gender expression, gender identity. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, our pieces and parts, you know, like looking about that and what, what actually connects us versus separates us. So I love hearing that, 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 you know, you're reading that already amongst the educators, but also helping the youth to understand that the value of being working with one another
1: and building that network of seeing those linkages and yes. for the students to have the freedom to say this makes sense here yes. or I learned this there. And the more we break down those silos, I think the more success we'll see right. in non-traditional um, fields right. for particularly for students of color, mm. because we see the world differently and that has to be welcome in these spaces. So,
0: Oh, absolutely. I agree. And then that and, and agreeably, that's why that message needs to emphasize even more there absolutely. because of that. And so, like, did you ever find yourself being able to help, like to motivate some students who had not been interested in the sciences? Like, were absolutely. you able to?
1: Um, and that motivation comes in saying, here's some ways that you can play the game. There you go. Here's what you can expect. I will tell you this, that when I was in engineering, um, I was. it was the first two years of the program. In many of my classes, I was the only black person. I was the only female. I was sometimes the only person under 21 because I started right, um, right. after high school. Mm. And I would be sometimes the only person from America. And so when I went into the classes... Um, I would be sitting down next to people. I'm very social. Like, right. oh, what's your name? Where are you from? <laughs> and everybody would be looking straight ahead. I didn't have community. Right. I didn't have anyone to guide me. Wow. Um, I didn't have anyone to talk to yeah. in the programs. Mm. And so what I let students know in high school is that here's you have to know what's important to you. You have to know Absolutely. what you need. And you have to know that in the sciences, those first two years are weed out courses. Yep. That means that the system is set up. To eliminate those for whom the system is not set up for. Absolutely. In order to gamify the system or to make it around these things that are set up for you to fail, you have to know what they are. Mm. And so a lot of the guidance that I give to young folks who are pursuing a field in STEM is to become confident in what you know mm. and figure out how to um, use what you know to learn what you don't know. Mm. Many of the weed out courses are built for those, not for those to learn, Mm -hmm. but for them to show what they already learned before. Oh, come on. So um, my high school program, my chemistry classes were actually the same exact classes that I took in college.
0: Okay. So when I
1: came into it, I took honors chemistry two and three at Cleveland State because chemistry came easy to me because I was prepared. It's not because the teacher was a great teacher. Right. It's not because I was a better learner than anybody else in the space. Exactly. It was because I was in the space, Mm. but I wasn't learning there. I was Mm. just showing what I already knew. Mm. So what does that mean? That we have to take those steps ahead of time to connect with those exposure programs, to do the extra so that we're going into that space prepared. Mm. know what those syllabi say. You can get them online. You can look ahead. Yes, you can. Take those open courses that are available at MIT. Let's go. Yeah, It's all free and That's it's online. Um, and so if this is something you want, if you want to be a doctor, you right. want to be a chemist, you want to be a lawyer, do all the research up front to find out what that means. Shadow in the field. Mm. Get as much information as you can. Connect to resources. Right. Um, shout out to National Society of Black Engineers who was literally my full support system the full time that I was in chemical engineering. And when I switched over to English, it was a group of mostly black males that were committed to lifting as they climb. And Mm. so that's the secret. Lift as you climb. Oh,
0: absolutely. And agree that we can't shout out any of those programs enough. So Upper Bound, as yes. you mentioned, National Society, as you said. Mm-hmm. And I even remember not even knowing anything about grad school until I was in the Ronald McNair program, mm-hmm. too. So, yes, like yes. I'm telling you, like there's these gems, y'all, yeah. that are. And again, I did not pay for my participation. So, like you said,
1: free. These yep. are free services that Talent are available. Search, yes. Jumpstart, trio programs. Oh, um, yes. Look them up and you're at the local universities, colleges, Please. wherever you're watching from. Trio programs are federal, so they are all over the United States. Yes, they are super exciting.
0: And even and even with that, that's also what I found fascinating about what you said. So I have also shared in the experience of being the only person of color, you know, amongst mm-hmm. there. Sometimes, you know, like you said, navigating the space with being the only woman, but also being the only person from America. Wow, <laughs> because now that one is new for me. Because now I think I've I've been shared spaces with other individuals from other countries, but to be the only one from my country, mm-hmm. like as you said, I can see the shock being, you know, from one way but also, like, culturally, you know, from another as well. So, like, I'm glad that, like you mentioned, you know, that you were able to develop what you could and, you know, how to navigate. But, yes, people are going to – I don't want that to be the deterrent, you know, from anybody, you right. know, pursuing something like that. But it is an incredible experience to have gone through.
1: What I learned is that um – the cohorts of people who were coming together, they came to this country for education. Mm. And so they pursued the path together. Mm. So it be four or five people. They all knew each other. They came to America for that reason. And it was TikTok game lock. They were oh. not letting anybody in. They were You're not right. letting anybody out. But I did admire their resolve to pursue their education together. I think there's a lesson that we can learn from that as well.
0: Oh, absolutely.
1: And that is why, yeah, definitely finding your networks
0: and like, you know, connecting with other folks. And I love what you said about like shadowing and doing all those things. Again, please don't count those experiences out because it's such a great thing. And even now as an adult, like we continue to like build our networks, you know what I mean, and learn from people, especially individuals that are in positions that we would like to be in. Mm -hmm. You know, and being able and and those people can also connect you to other things that you may not know about. But it's just it is an valuable opportunity to really learn like you said and get that exposure because I it, there isn't always a natural pipeline to these Absolutely. different kind of careers and all of those things so it's like if we are fighting against that you know one way to do that is by getting the experience and the knowledge mm-hmm. that you need for sure so yeah yes. no no so I definitely agree so I, I'm glad you brought that up and let us know but with that you did make this pivot then to English and mm-hmm. so into the world of that and you know being able to help I, like you said I know that English was one of my favorite classes yes. you know to be able to take there are so many great <laughs> (laughs) opportunities i mean you could travel the world in english Mm -hmm. you can learn so much civically socially you know and all these different things and so what were some of the you know most favorite lessons that you liked to be able to bestow upon your children
1: oh so Um, One of my favorite lessons was on the first day of class. I I taught American literature. And I love the fact that I had a chance to teach this because there is this um, traditional colonial view of American literature. But we had a chance to remix that a bit. So on the very first day of class, there was a question on the board. What is the difference between a truth and a fact? Okay. And so from the moment students walked into the space... They had to think about the difference between a truth and a fact, right? Um, which is a skill that we'll all need. Mm. Truth is when it reaches your heart. It's something mm. that you believe to be true, Absolutely. but facts are indisputable. And so we have to make sure that other people's truths aren't being presented to us as fact. Mm. And that means that we have to question everything. Yes. And so students had a great time with that. Um, we would have at the end of class on Fridays this moment called Break It Down Friday. Mm. Break It Down Friday was actually created by uh, T.J. Dow, who is um, a lawyer in the area of formal councilman of Ward 7. Mm. Um, in his years of substitute teaching, wow. he said that students needed like a moment of downtime. And so he was the originator of Break It Down Friday. Okay. And so when I adopted that practice, it was a moment to celebrate this week of learning, what we had gone through Students could introduce different dance moves and techniques, but it was also an exercise in humility for me as a teacher to show, like, I want to have fun. Yes. Um, We can dance, and we had special choreography. So that's something that when I see my students, when (laughs) I run into them, we always (laughs) talk about Break It Down Friday. I will not be doing those dance moves today, (laughs) but it was a special bonding time. Yep. Learning. All learning is social. Absolutely. All learning is emotional. Right. And when we welcome that into the space, that's what makes the space inclusive. Yes. Um, we also did fantastic work around Langston Hughes, um, the interesting narrative of Alada Equiano, which was a slave narrative of one, about a a slave who, an enslaved person who bought his own freedom Mm. and then told his own story. Um, And we read that right alongside some chronicles um, from Christopher Columbus. And then we said, well, what is the truth? Mm. And where are the facts? Right. Um, We read um, Romeo and Juliet for ninth graders, but we paired that with this amazing novel called Romeo and Julio, written by Sharon Draper, who's from Cincinnati, Ohio, so that students can see that the canon is not our concern. Not at all. But we want to show the world that we can do that too. Absolutely. So ultimately, every learner that came through my classes and many of the classes at Shaw High School were able to delve into the, the classic literature and right. literally analyze all of those things, but also have a knowledge and, of culture and cultural texts and background and history that looked like them. Ugh. That was so important for me right. and for us to reach beyond. I remember we were reading. Um, it was um, we always tried to bring in like real life stories, and we we're reading about a drug rehab counselor named Joe McGee. So they're reading the little article and they're like, um, "Well, this article was written just two years before we're experiencing it. Do you think he still works there? Like, well, I don't know. So, well, we're gonna call him." <laughs> <laughs> so Let's go. They called to the hospital during class, uh, got the phone in the room, called, and he wasn't able to talk with them. They said, We're in class, we're reading about you, but we have some questions. <laughs> Very good. And so they set up a time and asked him anything they wanted to. Wow. It made the literature come to life. Yes. So then they were reading Joyce Carroll Oates. They said, Well, she's a professor at Princeton. We should call her. <laughs> and I, was I like, love this. Um, all right. Right. <laughs> they reached out via email first. Okay. okay. Set up a time and she wasn't able to meet with them live, but she received their emails, their letters. Wow. They questioned her stories. Come they on. pointed out inconsistencies. They wanted to know, "Why did you make this character do this?" And it made me realize that wow. every learner has a voice. Yes, they do. And your voice is good enough to challenge any author, right. any scholar any critic. And so they jumped into the world in a different way, knowing that every person that I read about, if they're still alive, they're a phone call away. Mm -hmm. Every person who is read about or taught about that, I have a duty and an obligation to question what's being shared with me to find out, is this somebody's truth that they're packaging this facts or can I dig deeper to find out what's actually my truth? And um, that's, you know, I learned so much from the students. Yeah, that's absolutely. the stuff that just made my day yes exactly
0: <laughs> well mine too I was all glued I'm like oh what else did you do what y'all gonna do next So, but <laughs> yes no that's excellent and like you like you said because that I mean I love too how accessible you know what I mean you mm-hmm. make like you know that education and all of that and all of those lessons behind it but like you said the representation is everything yes, it, it, is. It, it it just truly is and I love to see when it happens but then you know how it lends itself now to the work that you do of course with you know building blocks and like you said bending you know because yeah. of course it is it is absolutely needed but it is wonderful. You presented them to individuals that are like them that they, and then it helped them not only, like you said, to see that they, yes, they can, they absolutely can challenge your voice. Absolutely has value. And you definitely have a great, you know, knowledge source to do it. And this is the audience that they are, you know, essentially sharing their literature with. So yes, if they're going to take any feedback from anyone, by all means, you know, absolutely. they should do that. But then in the process too, yes, they were also able to see that these are career options for me too, because absolutely. why not? They're literally people that, you know, I'm able to connect with and all of that. So Every single part of that I'm in love with. But I definitely see how it could, you know, lend itself to the work you did. But did you always know that you were going to make that turn to eventually be this entrepreneur and doing that? Like we were going to step away from education in that way or?
1: I never imagined it. Okay. I never (laughs) imagined it for myself. I was raised by strong black women who are like, you get you a good job, you right. get benefits, <laughs> yes, and then you do everything. You know, you move up in the organization, right? And so, like my grandmother, she retired from Cuyahoga County yep. after being there for thirty-seven years. Mm. My wow! My mom works for Cuyahoga County, and she's been there for thirty-three years. Mm. And so, wow. I thought, all right. I'll get somewhere, and (laughs) after 30-some-odd years, that's where I'll retire from. Right. And um, the road to entrepreneurship was not what I expected. It was not anything that I pursued. Um, But after publishing Anti-Racism and Universal Design for Learning in 2020, um, there was a shift that began to happen. I had um, started doing some educational consulting Mm -hmm. in 2018, Uh, There are some methods that I learned from teachers that um, just really wanted to grasp a hold of these methods and learn a little more. So I was helping out different school districts here and there, um, either during the summer or maybe in the evening, things like that. Um, However, once the book was published and um, there was this interest, there was this buzz And there was a world that was waiting to learn Mm. how to reach for students who had been traditionally and historically marginalized. Right. Um, That excitement, that passion led me to try to juggle the nine to five along with helping and and reaching out and teaching and resourcing. And eventually the part time was outperforming the full-time and right. I had to really just follow the favor of God and see what this would look like. Right. Um, and so that birth building blocks of brilliance in a full-time manner. And the moment that I took that leap of faith, August 1st of 2022 was my first day full-time for building. Blocks okay. So of anniversary. What? what? anniversary motto one year yes um, wow taking that leap of faith uh meant it didn't come without a lot of prayer i'm sure um we prayed about it and i'm in a family so i talked with my husband talk with my children absolutely um and taking that leap of faith required a moment to say i have something that will make the world better Mm. that i have an opportunity to release these um, methods and these strategies and partner with people's vision for seeing learning actualized, yes. not planned for, not talked about, but actualized. And so in taking that leap of faith, um, working with a number of school districts, colleges, and universities, I think the thing that really resonated with my heart um, is that when people believe in you, sometimes it happens before you do fully. Right. And Harvard University Their graduate school of education adopted my book as part of their pre service teacher curriculum. Wow. And a number of other colleges and universities around. And I kept saying, I'm just a little girl from Central (laughs) Avenue. (laughs) Right. I'm just a little girl from Central Avenue. But God had bigger plans. Yes, he did. Everything that I've walked through, everything that I've learned, every experience that I've had, um, whether it was a great experience that makes me smile or one that brings tears to my eyes, led to these precise moments. Absolutely. And so taking that leap of faith in entrepreneurship um, led me to see that there is a circle of people cheering for me. And some of them I have no idea who they are. Uh, yep. I don't know any of them. Exactly. Um, some of the people I've known for my whole life and they're cheering me on. Right. I have a family that really believes in what we're doing and we took this leap of faith together. Right. And um I just had to place myself in a position to receive Absolutely. what God was doing. But also to give those things that I knew and that I had practiced for years and now I get to see people practice them all over the world.
0: Exactly, which is amazing. Come okay. on now. So yeah, we're gonna shout out all of that. Okay. And so perfect month. Okay, yay. I planned it on purpose, y'all. So yeah. <laughs> that was awesome. But I am so glad to hear that because definitely it's like, you know, responding to like you like you said, putting that passion into purpose and alignment and all of those things that we're doing. But the part that I love, you know, that I just want to re-emphasize and I just, you know, gave me a little chill even when you said it is just, I have something that can make the world better you know and so like that is everything and you cannot put a price tag on that you know what I mean you cannot yeah you can't quantify that but it's definitely an incredible impact that that can bring Mm -hmm. and like you know like you said comparing it to you know the phenomenal money that you're making at NASA shout out to them I'm glad that they provide such great salary so again if that's a career path for you by all means you know why not but like you said there's no way to compare that to now you know being able to provide this wonderful thing to the world being able to impact as many students as you can outside of just the one classroom that you had because even that is great Mm -hmm. but it, it did live You though to be able to reach those students, and now you're able to go to different places and be able to do that. So, but I do love that you reminded me that this all was birthed from the book, you know. So, like, yes, this is this incredible thing now that you have separately from that, Mm -hmm. but it started with that. So, you know, and it was published in 2020. I remember you saying that, but did it take you a while, like, to write
1: the book? Was it something you had always thought, like, what was the process behind Mm -hmm. writing it? So, I had always wanted to be a writer. Okay, I remember in the second grade, um, I went to my grandmother. And she was asking, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I said, I want to be a writer. She said, absolutely not. (laughs) No. Writers don't make any money. No, grandma. (laughs) And when I remind her of this, she's still living. When I remind her of this, she laughs. She said, well, they don't. I said, they do. (laughs) Um, And I knew that it was. And here's the thing. That when there's a dream in your heart, even when you're a little one, um, that dream never dies. Mm. It may take on a different shape. You may go through a number of iterations before you return to it, but the dream never dies. So even when I was an engineering major, I would spend time writing and reading and writing poems. I still loved literature. I always wanted to be a writer. Mm. Um, Along the way, I had published a few things here and there, and then I got a contract to write a book. I was taking a class on Universal Design for Learning. It's the method that I love. It's the methods that I've always used. I just didn't have the name for them. So I find this class. I'm taking it. The teacher of the class says, you know this stuff. Have you ever thought about writing a book? I said, well, writing a book would be a lifelong dream come true. I've thought about it, but I always thought that I would write a book. Maybe inspirational, spiritual, something like that. Yeah, something. She said, well, Here's the proposal form, fill it out, and turn it into the publishing company. Mm. So I fill out the proposal, and I was kind of apprehensive, not quite sure, Mm. because um, I just didn't know what to expect. It's a process that I hadn't gone through. They read the proposal, within six weeks, offered me a contract to publish the first book. Wow. And um, the rest is history. Yes. Um, And even in that process, I started writing the book in 2000. Seventeen. OK. And I struggle to I struggle with this inner fight. And mm. if there's ever any if there's ever anything that you've been called to do or called to birth, there's always this opposition that happens on the inside. Yes. Like, what if nobody reads it? What if nobody <laughs> wants to hear what I have to say? What if it's really not that important? What if what if what if? Yes. And I had this battle. And I will tell you, there was a turning point in that battle where um, I shifted my strategy. So instead of like just grinding it out, like I'm going to get up every day and write, I just had this conversation with God and he said, I've called you to do this work. Can you please let me know who else you're waiting for to call you? Because exactly, we have work to do. Let's go get Can it you done. Please let me know who else you need to to say yes or to exactly. Like, what are we waiting for? And wow. that was the turning point for me that I realized that if God thinks I have something to say, right. then so do I. Mm, come and on. And if God has called me to say it, then there is nothing that will stop me. Mm. And so, it was from that point that I began to write. And I kind of felt like this urgency. And then the entire world shut down.
0: Oh, yeah. I know. Poor pandemic. pandemic.
1: And then when George Floyd was murdered in May of 2020, (laughs) I remember weeping and sobbing and just mourning. I didn't post. I didn't respond. I took the time to mourn. Right. But what I realized in my mourning was that when I turned on the news in Atlanta, leading the marches was one of my students. Mm. Mm, Come on. When I looked in Washington, D.C., it was one of my students. Right. When I looked on Facebook to see what people were saying, it was my students telling us, if you're going to the protest, this is what you need to wear. This is what you need to do. Wow. I got a phone call from one of my students um, who had been at a protest the day before and she said, hey, I'm calling because I couldn't get in touch with my mom but I didn't want to go to the protest today because if I die there, no one would know where I am. Wow. She was willing to die for the cause, number one. Right. But number two, she just wanted to give at least the decency of letting people know, here's where I am. Right. These were my students. Wow. I had a duty to write. (sighs) I had a duty to capture that message. I had a duty to get the words on the paper that will change the actions of those who are in front of our babies because the world is depending on us. Come on. And so who was leading me through the protests were the students I led through English class.
0: Right. Who was getting
1: me to the point of inspiration were the ones for whom lent me the the ones who lent me the inspiration. Right. I have a duty to give it back. And so yes. when George Floyd was murdered, I literally weeped, I mourned, I spent time with my family, and then I decided that this book would be the response. Mm. I didn't want it to be just a heated exchange back and forth that nobody would even see in five years. I wanted a lasting response to change the trajectory of education for our black and brown learners here in America and abroad. And with these changes, we can reach for them instead of pushing them out. And so that's really um, yep. what changed everything for me. Right. Um, I had a very clear sense of my who mm. and a very clear sense of my why
0: come on and that definitely drove everything yeah because yep. when you have that yes. yeah there's nothing that can shake that or break it you know one. and that people can try <laughs> but like they try <laughs> yeah exactly I'm sure <laughs> but yeah absolutely especially well but then that's the other thing right is that you know with that being said and as much as we have talked because y'all you know, remember I sounded off on my little Black Lives Matter episode as well and so like as we were talking about that no lives absolutely do have value but that's the thing right when you have that the tax will come you yes. know and especially when you have something that people aren't ready to receive or that they are not ready to mm. understand or accept they will definitely do that. So I think, I mean, everything about what you just said is incredible. You know, I'm still, you know, so moved by that, especially as a fellow person who works with youth. Because, again, y'all, y'all don't understand. That's so why I keep, you know, talking about it. Like, yeah. it's just incredible the exchanges that you have with them. And they do come with such wisdom already. They, you, they Right? They and you're absolutely. just like, wow, if you just open yourself up to that, yes. like, they really do. And like you said, that critical thinking is unstoppable. They'll, and they'll do it from a way that relates to their current generation, mm-hmm. you know what I mean, and what they have access to. But they still do it in a way that just keeps you on your toes. And you're just like, wow, I didn't I hadn't considered it absolutely. from that way and how that could affect you in that way you know and, and it is humbling like you mentioned. So I think everything about that is absolutely incredible but I also think it's wonderful that knowing that that's how you arrived at the writing and that the students were at the forefront of the inspiration leading is amazing but also that that one teacher you know is, was another example of how you said that sometimes people will believe in you even before you believe yes. in yourself. Yes. They will do that. But I also think like you said that these are examples of people that got sense you know, mm-hmm. to also serve as messengers because yes. he can't always just, although, you know, if you do open yourself up to have an audible relationship mm-hmm. with God, you may be able to hear it yourself, mm-hmm. but sometimes he also sends you people and you're Absolutely. still like, God, send me a sign. And he did. Mm-hmm. And you're like, wait, what? I'm let still, let me get
1: another one. <laughs> yeah,
0: exactly. But can I just,
1: <laughs> I didn't hear that one. <laughs> and there's <laughs> exactly. nothing wrong with that either. You're right. Like, I think the, the questions right. are really a part of the formulation yes. process. Absolutely. So if you need several signs, he would give them to me <laughs> Exactly. Um, but we have to teach ourselves to be consent- yeah. content with yes. the person.
0: Absolutely, that part. And even that, I also love that you know, you've know you spoken so much about that and the prayer that you did, conversation with your family, all those things, but even your relationship with God, which mm-hmm. I love. And so I'm just curious, was that also instilled in you from the grandma and your mamas and all the wonderful women, or was that with you, or where did that come from?
1: So um, when we think about faith in, in my family, um, we've always been – I was raised by strong black women. I mean, mm. strong. Right. Um, and we were church-going folks. We always went to church. The funny thing, though, is that I grew up black and Catholic. Mm. And that's oh, very Oh, that different. is interesting. Um, very interesting. <laughs> yeah, um, And the funny thing is I went to a Afrocentric Catholic school. What? So Catholic comes in a lot of different formats. Yes, it does. But um, Santa Adelbert elementary school which is right on 83rd street still there in between central and quincy Mm. it was afrocentric every image in the school was black wow every sign was about black entrepreneurs or black architects i remember just the images and the pictures and we had um special textbooks on black history we celebrated the nguzu saba principles of Kwanzaa all year long. Every month was dedicated to one. And so I remember that there was a sign next to every PA system in the building that said, I know I'm somebody because God don't raise no junk. (laughs) God don't make no junk. I know I'm somebody (laughs) because God don't make no junk. And it was a little black boy. He had nappy hair. His little hands were folded. Um, I grew up in that. Yes. And so church and school and faith right. were always interconnected. Mm. Home and prayer and school and faith were always interconnected. Mm. And I think faith became my own when I was about 16. And I was walking through a really tough time in my own life. And I felt like I am not certain if I want to live. I just felt like I wanted to give up everything. And there are moments in life that feel so pressing, so important. And we can look back on them and see that maybe it wasn't all that deep. But at that moment, it felt insurmountable. Absolutely. And I said, God, if you're real, you got to, I need to know. Like if this is, I know the prayers, I know what to say. I know how to go to church on Sunday. But in this moment, if you are real, either you're going to show up Or I'm checking out. Wow. In that moment, I felt a presence that um, still to this day gives me like goosebumps. Wow. It was confirmation from the inside out that God was real and reaching for me. And that's where I started to really develop a faith that was not based on the strength of my mom or the wisdom of my grandmother or the example of my great grandmother, but a faith that was personal to me. I began to look at the word for myself. I began to inquire of the Lord, like ask questions like, I don't understand this. Mm -hmm. Many times people tell you, don't question God. God is here for the questions. Right. David has a whole book of Psalms and right. there are a few questions in there. Some of them are happy questions and some of them are like, well, where are you at, God? Like, right. what are you doing? Right. And we can ask God those things. And at 16 is where it was like, I would call them the the seeds or the buds to my faith. But I've walked with the Lord since then. Right. He's never failed me. And I've learned so much along the way from others who were willing to mentor me in faith and walk right. alongside me. To sharing their stories and their testimonies, to even having places where my story that I thought was worthless at that right. time right. became a catalyst for other people to know Him like I do. So,
0: oh my gosh, absolutely! Because yes. I was thinking the same. I was like, wow, that's just an incredible way to know that. And like, yeah. but I love that you arrived, like you said, at the end of the day, it, you were able to then own your own journey, you know, with God, and that it wasn't just imposed on you by anyone else. So, like, they may have taught you, you know, and, yeah. and started you off, and you know, allowed you, helped you to get there, but you ultimately had to own that. And I love that. I feel like not just with that, but also like we just mentioned, like with your purpose or whatever you want to do. I know sometimes we do live up to our like family standards Mm -hmm. and we want to appease our parents and also, you know, be the one, well, maybe I need to be the one to provide and do all these things. And we're like facing all of these pressures, but honestly, it's still not going to lead to ultimate, the ultimate success. I mean, you might be able to find it, you know, in different ways, but to really be living your purpose and what actually serves you, you know, you actually have to open yourself up to that opportunity. And even with that, like you mentioned, there were still times of darkness there were still times of doubt Mm -hmm. even when you open yourself up to that but like you said God was still there in the midst of it and so it's just wonderful to hear that you know as soon as you reached out he still could you know Mm -hmm. to respond and answer to remind you that you weren't alone that's right and that even though you were having this, you were still called to greatness. That's and so right. I just love, you know, hearing that. But I agree that how many times can we relate to that? You know I mean? Yeah. It's just not, you know, believing that you have, you know, something to give or that, you know, you're the one to do it. Mm-hmm. And it's like, yes, you are. Why? Why yes. are you of yourself out? Right. And, I, and I think that I never get tired of saying that amongst our students, like you mm-hmm. said, especially the black and brown ones, especially them, because they always are, a lot of times they're hearing negative messages. Mm-hmm. But also, as you mentioned, and I really appreciate that you mentioned, like with George Floyd and that murder. I mean, one, there shouldn't have been that many murders happening. They should, you know, that's never going to be something that is easy for me to express. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's not, you know, always, you know, and even as you said it, I took pause. But it's just that when you see that happening over and over again and you're, it's almost feeling like you are invaluable, like you did that, or that, I'm sorry, that you do not have value at all, you know, and that, you know, that you are almost dispensable. It's just not yeah it's nothing that we would ever want anybody to yeah. feel and so like but it's it's those are the incredible things that some of our students are facing in yes. addition to just the work and just what it takes and all of that but just having to even fight those thoughts mm-hmm. and those beliefs that are already imposed on them and so i just love that you bring light to that you know with building blocks i mean just as a person <laughs> you know you exude it already but also just i love that that happens so i love that word bending like you said and so like you know what what all does that you know come with you know what all are you hoping to help people you know understand when you say that you're helping those organizations understand that
1: so when we think about um how do we bend the curriculum towards learners the framework that I lean toward is it's called universal design for learning right. and basically what that means is that um I am clear about my goals right but then I stop and pause and think about what are the predictable barriers that can keep any learner from reaching the goals. Right. And I think about this before I design, before I lesson plan, right. I anticipate the barriers mm. and then I design to eliminate them. Right. And so what does that look like? That means that we have multiple ways that we give out the information. So instead of just a lecture with the PowerPoint and we right. pretend like, oh, just because the pictures <laughs> are up there and I'm saying the words that everybody has it. That we use pictures, words, songs, Mm. poetry, mnemonic devices. We use the closed captions so that learners can choose how they take that learning in. That's called multiple means of representation. And then we have multiple means of engagement, Mm. which means that whatever supports you need to navigate this that means for some students, they're going to need noise canceling headphones because they right. can't work while all the other stuff is going on. Absolutely. Or some students will need a magnifier because magnifiers are not just for people with visual impairment. It helps with focus mm. and attention. Right. Or maybe I will use text to speech or speech to text. Maybe right. I'll have a um, screen reader so that whatever supports I need this space is safe enough for us to normalize support and not villainize it. Right. And so that means that whatever I need in order for learning to take place, right. that I have access to that. Mm. That looks like different kinds of chairs in a learning space. Right. Some standing desks, right. maybe some fidgets, maybe little bungees on the bottom so my feet have something to do. Right. Knowing the things that are in the Chromebook that can help me learn. Right. So that I can personalize my learning. That's called multiple means of engagement. And the last one is multiple means of action and expression. Mm. And what that means is don't assess me in just one way. Right. Don't check for understanding in just one way. But there have to be multiple ways for me to show what I know. Mm. And I will tell you this. My ninth grade English teacher um, gave us this sheet with options after we read Romeo and Juliet. And we could choose one of the ways to show that we knew and understood the information. Right. I chose to write a rap song to the beat of Ain't Nothing But a G Thing" by <laughs> Dr. Dre, The Chronic. 30th anniversary of The Chronic. 19th. By the way, you're right. Oh, I don't know. Happy birthday, goodness. hip-hop. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it was the first time my love of hip-hop and my understanding of literature came together in a way Come on. to showcase my brilliance. At Building Blocks of Brilliance, we believe that every learner has a gem of brilliance inside. Come on. And that gem of brilliance will shine when we blast away at every barrier. Just like when they mine for gold or you mine for a precious metal, you blast away at barriers until you get to the precious metal. And the precious metal often does not look like the shine that we think of, but it's what we do when we find that precious metal. It's what we do with it that builds that shine. The brilliance in every learner must shine, and it's how we blast away barriers. So that's how we bend the curriculum towards the students. And we give them ways to let their gem of brilliance shine yes
0: and I love that because I'm literally thinking like you said you're bringing education to life yes. and I mean and why would I not want to take part in that be excited about that and then and it really I can own my educational experience in Absolutely. the process because you were seeing me in different facets and even you also I need I meant to shut that out by the way how multifaceted are you that you actually do have a level of literature and science at the same that that's, they don't usually go to get, like they you go? mentioned they don't so like it's awesome but we also have students that are like that too Absolutely. surprisingly yeah mm-hmm. they're not just focused into one and that's the only thing that i love i do love the cmsd has been bringing in these new focuses yes. however the only thing that sometimes i'm like oh but i feel like they need exposure to everything you know what i mean just a little bit of everything as yeah. they continue and all of those things but these are ways you know to bring that in there and like you said just bring the educational piece but also what i was thinking was how does that not make it so enjoyable for the educator as well you know what i mean Listen. <laughs>
1: Right. As a teacher, my number, I was like, I don't want to be bored. Yeah, I, exactly. And if I don't want to be bored, I know they don't want to be no, bored. No, they don't. No, and they don't. because we are different human beings, yes. there's going to be different things that engage us. Come so on. So if there is no element of choice, no. then they failed me, I failed them, right. and we all sleep. Yeah. I don't want to be asleep. No. So when we give everybody that element of choice to choose the things that they like, to choose what they're interested in, give them... Maybe different ways to view something that they already know. Right. This lights a fire inside. I was just watching um, because it, hip hop is 50 this year. So I've just been immersed in all these documentaries. I was watching about Grandmaster Flash and how he found some car speakers and he put it with a turntable and he literally engineered a solution to be able to Come DJ on. in his home. Right. That's science. Come on. Yes, That's it math. is. That's timing. And that's brilliant. Do we honor <laughs> that brilliance? Right. And that's the question I kept asking myself. I wonder what his science grade was. Mm. I wonder if his science teacher knew that that is engineering. Do we honor that? Right. Do we let them bring that into that space? Do we build those bridges to the, those cultural funds of knowledge from home to school and school to home? And when we honor them, that's when the magic happens
0: oh yes no I was definitely you're right because I'm thinking about so many students and you know what I mean with their different skills mm-hmm. that yeah sometimes like yeah they get quieted or don't yeah definitely do not get seen because of the opportunity is not there and the platform doesn't exist yes. for that to shine so I'm like wow that that is true that is incredible and that is an amazing skill by the way so yeah, shout out to is. him like you yes. know what I mean who would have thought of that like oh well I'm gonna figure it out mm-hmm. <laughs> like I will find a way to make this happen that's incredible and like the resilience behind that but agreed I just love that it, it does open that up and it opens up all these opportunities you know to be able to do it but it also just revolutionizes education Absolutely. so i love it which is very much needed much needed, <laughs> much needed now and with such vocal you know students that we have that are not afraid to speak yes. up when they need to and all of that so, I mean, I'm amazed. You know, I love everything about, you know, what you share. And I can keep you here forever, y'all, so y'all know. You know what I mean? If you ever want to come back, the <laughs> couch is waiting. Yes. Um, but I'm also just curious. So, like, what are the future plans you have with this, what you have now? I mean, we've obviously already witnessed the incredible journey thus far. Um, and, you know, again, congratulations on the year. Um, but, yes, I'm just curious. Do you have any other things on the horizon or, like, you know, what's in store?
1: So, Building Blocks of Brilliance is working to um, create um, libraries of professional development, so that uh, school districts can connect um, some affordable solutions. Um, we are continuing continuing to offer professional development, coaching, right. mentoring, um, and really customizing solutions—not cookie cutter PD, right. but customizing solutions based on where you are and the needs of the learners. Mm. Um, something that we have, my husband and I started a nonprofit. And it is called Building Bridges to Victory, cool. and basically, we it's a three pronged approach, and we help parents to push for this kind of education in right. their schools. Mm. Um, we also come along, uh, come alongside schools and partner with um, teachers for professional development. But the last one we are so excited is that we offer scholarships Ooh. so that we can partner with dreams of right. students, and yes. we gave our inaugural. Um, building Bridges to Victory scholarship of a thousand dollars this past May for a graduating senior. Yes, and it's a young man um, who has a wonderful story of turnaround, but found his passion in photography, okay. and he's pursuing a degree at um, Tri-C. Okay, so we were so happy to. Not only encourage his dream, but of to course. come alongside it, uh, alongside it with finances.
0: Yeah, so literally, that Funded. is what yep. we're
1: doing. Um, another thing that Building Blocks for Brilliance is super excited to be a part of is that there is a community of entrepreneurs that we are helping to get their businesses off the ground. Let's go. And that is in a program called Mortar Cleveland. Um, Basically, we know that when we look at the small businesses, that only a small percentage of those small businesses in the Cleveland area are black. We Mm -hmm. want to see black-owned businesses not have to go through their own personal learning curve, but to come together, learn from the collective wisdom. I'm one of the facilitators for Mortar Cleveland. And so it's been like a dream come true to have to walk with entrepreneurs who are at different stages of implementation, yes. but to see their business come to life, to connect them with resources. And we will be um, having a pitch competition at Futureland. Okay. And um, the winner is going to receive $10,000. <laughs> come on, y'all. Sign up. You better write that down now. Black businesses yes, need that commitment. Yes they, they need do. that encouragement. And they also need those financial resources, which um, Mortar Cleveland... Do. Helping connect them to and building blocks of brilliance is happy to be a part of
0: it. Yeah, so come on now. If any of that resonated with you again, if you needed another sign and this was it, you better use it, use it, use it. But that's awesome, so yeah, that's great, and that's true. I did see uh, see you at the past Future Land. If you were not there,
1: that's right. It was it was an amazing event. Future Land is coming up, yeah. If you are in Cleveland, if you're in the tech space, if you are in arts or culture. Futureland brings all of that together. So I would say it's a great place to connect with culture, business, and innovation. So Mm. if you have any idea and you're like, I just don't know how to, I just don't know. Right. Come to Futureland, get connected with Mortar Cleveland, connect with Melissa, go to Building Blocks of Brilliance. We are all about building community. Right. And if Santana says so, this is what we do. So we build community yeah. and we help one another. Yes. And as Fannie Lou Hamer said, we lift as we climb. Yes, we do. Come on, see that's
0: just perfect. I ain't even got to end in no other way. You y'all heard it, but I do agree because I do love it. Like, and if there is any idea you have, please don't like question that. Don't you know? Don't doubt it. Like, please, you know, use this as you can. If you don't have direction with it, that's fine. You know what I mean. But if you have an idea or something behind that, you know, let's go ahead and fuel that because you deserve to do that. And we would love to see that. And yes. if this is the only thing stopping you from bringing it to fruition, well then come on out. That's you know what I mean? Because there are people that want to help. So yeah. I love it. And if anybody wants to connect with you, Miss Ma'am, how can they do that? With all. So- those
1: BuildingBlocksOfBrilliance building is the website. On the um, the app, formerly known as Twitter, is that what we call it? I know, yeah. <laughs> um, but anywhere on social media, you can find me at Fritz Tisha. That's F R I T Z. T-E-S-H-A Pause this now And go follow Send me a message In an inbox And I'll be um, In touch with you I just want to see us win Yes And so Even yes. if I don't have The tools or the resources I am a part of a community right. And we are a part of a community Yes we are That connects Each person to their dream Every dream begins With a seed
0: Yes And it every
1: seed Is the first step To having a full grown tree With fruit And so um, I just would encourage you today Reach out on Building Blocks of Brilliance Fill yeah. out the contact form Sign up for my email list, get in touch, or find me anywhere on social media and send me a message. We want to see your dream come true. Fritz, Tisha, F-R-I-T-Z. T-S-H-A. Come
0: on, please do it. Do it today. Like you said, like you heard. So, yeah. So thank you so very much. Like I said, there's just so much more I could ask and do. But I mean, you have already shared so many great things. And y'all, same thing. Please write down those gems, like play it back if you need to. You know what I'm saying? Uh, reflect on that part if you need to, whatever you need. But, you know, as always, thank you so very much. Thank, thank you me. all. Absolutely for tuning in. Um, and like I said, reach out. You know what I mean? If this, you know, connected with you, if there's anything that it generated, some questions for you that you want to do, like like the students did, take they lead um you know do it you know reach out to us um but definitely tune in because we gonna bring you some more especially for black business mom so yes thank you